This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Harry's. For guys who want a great shave experience for a fraction of what you're paying now and just in time for Father's Day, get $5 off the limited edition Father's Day set by entering the promo code FOOL when you check out. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. It is our Greatest Quotes Volume X series. We've done this twice before. So, this is Greatest Quotes Volume 3. And as as foreshadowed in last week's podcast, this is my all Warren Buffett edition. So, I have selected my five personal favorite quotes from the so-called Oracle of Omaha. These are not necessarily the greatest Warren Buffett quotes of all time. These are just the ones that have really sung to me and why I'm sharing them with you this week through Rule Breaker Investing. Before I start with quote number one, I just want to do a little storytelling because we've had some good interactions with Warren Buffett from The Motley Fool over the years. Just three that I want to highlight. Back in the year 2000, before we had premium services like Motley Fool Stock Advisor, before we actually had anything you could buy from The Motley Fool other than some best selling books, we had a very popular free discussion board, still alive and well today at fool.com, but it was just our Berkshire Hathaway discussion board. So, Buffett is founder, CEO, leader of Berkshire Hathaway over these many decades. We have, of course, have always had big. Buffett fans in Fooldom. And so, frequenting that very popular discussion board in the year 2000, uh, the news came out that Buffett needed colon surgery. And so, the board all banded together and decided that they should come up with some advice for Warren in terms of how he should take care of himself and how to convalesce and that sort of a thing. And my friend Selena Morangian here at The Motley Fool, who has been a big Buffett fan, aficionado, even a little bit of a friend over the years, um, pointed me to this discussion board posting dated August 1st, 2000. So, this is right out there on Fool.com. You can find it today. If you want to dig into our discussion boards, find Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, It's post number 33,157. So, there are, by the way, now 224,237 posts in our history, 20 years of running The Motley Fool with this Berkshire Hathaway board. This was post number 33,157. Dear Selena, Warren Buffett wrote personally, I'm at home now doing unimaginably well after having 15 inches or so of colon taken out. I can honestly report I've had virtually no pain during the entire process. Of course, the first few days I was getting plenty of painkillers, but for about four days, I've taken nothing at all. The human body is an amazing machine. He goes on to write, I think at least some of the credit for this fast recovery is due to the good wishes of the participants on the Motley Fool board. I've read all of their comments and been cheered by having so many well-wishers. Thanks for organizing this. It's been a real boost to my morale. Best wishes to you sincerely, Warren E. Buffett. So that was written directly to Selena, who is kind of organizing Fool Community to help out help out Warren during his time of need. And at that year's um, Omaha meeting, the annual meeting that that is a pilgrimage for capitalists, as is often said in Omaha, Nebraska, um, Buffett dropped by Austin Steakhouse, where there was a big Motley Fool member meet and greet, where a lot of fellow members who'd never met each other before only knew each other through the discussion boards. And there was Warren right there saying hello to everyone. So um, if it's not already clear that this is a very good individual, this is a man of high character in addition to high net worth, which in my mind is often actually correlated, especially when you look at great investors, um, then I think it'll become increasingly clear uh, as you hear these kinds of interactions. That was one. A second one was when Buck Hartzell, uh, who is a longtime Motley Fool employee, Buck was 
Buck recently appeared, I think, on the Motley Fool Answers podcast, so you can hear a little bit from Buck. He's a big Warren Buffett fan and expert, and uh, he he had a great picture he sent over from 2002. It was that year that the book The Warren Buffett CEO had been published. It was published by a Motley Fool member at the time, Bob Miles, who's since gone on to write lots more about Warren. And the book, uh, Bob's screen name at The Fool was Simple Investor. But anyway, Buck was there getting his copy signed. And, uh, you know, it also reminds me that the Berkshire people have been very generous sending the Motley Fool press passes every year to cover the Berkshire annual meeting. And then the last one I'll mention, this one is, is probably my favorite, uh, was 2011. Uh, so Luann Lofton, uh, a longtime Motley Fool writer and contributor, uh, shared this story with me. She had just written the book Warren Buffett Invests Like a Girl. And if you've not read Luann's book, I would certainly recommend it to you. So I'm I'm largely going to just share by reading some of what Luann wrote me about this uh, experience she had in 2011. She said, after we sent him a copy of the galley for Warren Buffett invests like a girl, he invited me to brunch in Omaha, which was held at the Omaha Country Club the day after the annual meeting in 2011. Upon arriving there, Luann wrote alone, and this was made very clear to her. She said, "You had to come alone. We have no more space." She said she was a basket of nerves, could barely walk in the door. First person she spotted was Bill Gates. She managed to fix a, a plate as she glanced around, noticed Glenn Close, as well as people like Ajit Jain or Tony Nicely, some of those Berkshire CEOs of some of the individual companies that Berkshire Hathaway owns that she'd read about for years. Still nervous, she found a table to sit down at. Then Billie Jean King came and sat down across from her, which did nothing for her nerves, she wrote, but a lot for her continuing awe at the situation she found herself in. Finally, Luann writes, I'm thinking, where's Buffett? I then realize he's just sitting there eating like the rest of us. And that's when I also realized that in this crowd I'm in, it's like no big deal that Buffett is just sitting there eating. I waited for him to finish and then gathered up every nerve I had and went over and bent down, tapped him on the shoulder and said, I'm Luann Lofton, and I said you invest like a girl. He gave a big guffaw, jumped up, gave me a hug, was smiling from ear to ear, as was I. He'd been sitting between his two sisters and wanted to introduce me to them and wanted me to tell them about the book. Naturally, they loved the idea that someone was saying this about their brother. And they chatted for a few more minutes and took some photos. We have a great photo of Luann with Warren's two sisters. So these are just a few of the interactions um, notable interactions we've had with Buffett over the years. We are big Buffett fans. As I've sometimes said on my podcast, um, I'm kind of the anti-Buffett in that I do a lot of things differently intentionally from him, because I feel like he's often copied by so many people that sometimes when you play the, the strategy game a little bit differently, you can get some wins too. But um, there is no question that um, we are all so lucky to have been alive when Warren Buffett was alive, and to for us each to have learned and continue to learn as he continues to um, be such a wonderful font of wisdom and great decision making, and speaking so well for American capitalism. We continue to benefit from Warren and uh, and all that he's done in this world, and and the legacy that he'll leave. So, all that said, let's get into Great Quotes, Volume Three. But just before I do, this episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Harry's. Now, Father's Day is coming soon. And maybe you have a father. I hope you certainly do in your life. Maybe you know more than one father. They sometimes can be hard to shop for. Well, Harry's has got you covered. While supplies last, Harry's is offering a special limited edition shave set for Father's Day. The Father's Day set includes a matte black razor handle, a chrome razor stand, moisturizing foaming shave gel, three handcrafted blade cartridges, and a travel cover, all for $40. 
Plus, it comes in a sleek, giftable box with the option to add custom engraving and a personalized card. Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with the promo code FOOL, F-O-O-L. That's Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. Enter code FOOL at checkout to get $5 off. Get Dad something he'll actually use this Father's Day. Quote number one this week. This one comes from my friend Jim Mueller. Of course, it is Warren Buffett's quote, but I was saying, hey, Jim. Jim's a wonderful, talented analyst with me and Motley Fool Stock Advisor and Motley Fool Supernova. And I was like, hey, Jim, what's your favorite Buffett line? And he came up with this one from a 1988 Forbes article. The reason I'm mentioning it in particular is because it uses the word fool in it. Foolish with a small f, as you'll shortly see. Here it is. Quote, the market is there only as a reference point to see if anybody is offering to do anything foolish, small f. When we invest in stocks, we invest in businesses. End quote. So, what I love about that one, presumably what Jim loves about that one, is Buffett's focus on businesses. He basically says the stock market's there. It's just a reference point to see if anybody's being crazy. You can look up a price of something and see if you would actually take that particular price that day and become an investor in that company. But really, Buffett has always thought about the businesses. And for him and for us, investing is business focused by its nature. We're not that focused on the stock the stock itself, the ticker symbols, the charts. We don't really look at charts. Uh, I know some people do. Some people care a lot about the shape or pattern of stock charts. Um, we're really focused over the only term that counts, the long term. And if you are focused for the long term, then you're going to want to be looking at the business and asking, is there a competitive advantage there? Are there attributes there? And everything from the leadership that's in place to the products and services, are they making the world better? All of those great business-focused questions that you and I ask every week as rule breakers, right there in the heart of that quote. I also like it that it was, oh, we started The Motley Fool in the year was 1994. So, this is five or six years before we've even started, and Buffett's already using the word foolish. Gotta love that. Quote number two. So, for each of these, I did work extra hard with the help of my friends to source them, because a lot of things are attributed to Warren Buffett, or I myself have said, yeah, Buffett says this or that, and then when I actually go back and check, I find he didn't necessarily say it or say it that way. And In fact, I'm foreshadowing that not all of the quotes in our All Buffett Greatest Quotes edition are going to end up being from Warren himself. In fact, having checked a few of them out, I realized some of them might be apocryphal, but they are so true, they fit in so well, that you'll see with a couple of the ones I'm going to follow on later on with, I had to include them. This one is a Buffett quote. This was uttered on Charlie Rose's show, Charlie Rose Show, in the year 2008 during that financial meltdown. And Rose was asking him, you know, how have we gotten here? um, Should wise people have known better? Charlie Rose asked. Uh, And Buffett replied, and I'm paraphrasing, you can actually find the exact quote probably somewhere in a Charlie Rose transcript if you want to spring five bucks or whatever it is for one. But he said, of course they should have. He said, there's a natural progression to how good new ideas go wrong. He called this progression the three eyes. And by the way, if this is already starting to sound some familiar bells in your head, this was a quote that I pulled in a previous Great Quotes um, Rule Breaker Investing podcast. I'm just going right back to it now because it's one of my favorites and it obviously fits within this one. But here come the three eyes. He called this progression the three eyes. Raise your hand if you already know what they are because you remember our podcast some months ago. Okay, now put your hand down. First come, he said, the innovators who see opportunities that others don't. Then come 
the imitators, who copy what the innovators have done. And then come the idiots, whose avarice undoes the very innovations they are trying to use to get rich." End quote. Buffett at the time was describing what was happening in the financial world and all of the mortgage debacle and all of the really the whole US banking system looked like it could implode during that really dark and dangerous time but that same quote can apply to all kinds of tech cycles or hype cycles where you know first coming out in biotech or the internet are the people who are the visionaries who see the possibilities and actually start companies and even go public. That means they're really very much for real. Uh, people like Jeff Bezos take their companies public, and, and they are the vanguard. They're the ones who, who are the innovators, as Buffett says. And then the imitators, the ones like, sometimes I've used the example of Buy.com, if you remember that site. It might still be in business. I'm not a customer. But you know there was Amazon.com, but then there, there had to be inevitably other e-commerce sites. So, sort of Buy.com, and they come along and they, they can run an okay business, and sometimes they stand the test of time, and sometimes they don't. But then finally come um, this is unfair, but you know the drcoop.coms of the world. If you remember Everett Coop, the former Surgeon General, who had there was a health site. You know, well after the bigger health sites had launched, let's say like WebMD, finally you get around to drcoop.com, which I don't even necessarily think was that affiliated with the good doctor himself. I'm not really, I, I'm not going there, so I'm certainly not going to be hammering Everett Everett Coop, who seemed to be a good Surgeon General. Anyway, that business was kind of an example of an idiot business, and indeed one of those so-called dot-coms that wasn't around for very long. So it's just a great, fun way of thinking through business cycles and what can happen and why sometimes it ends badly each time before it restarts again. Of course, value is created over the, over the course of time, even when idiots show up to end each cycle. Um, and Warren Buffett and his portfolio returns, and I would say companies like Amazon.com and their returns show the true value over time, that it's not all just a cyclical parabola where you have to time things right. You can truly just participate as an investor, buy and hold, and do really well over time, even when imitators and idiots can dominate for certain periods. Quote number three involves, I'm going to go with 3A and 3B and keep them short. Both of these I've heard ascribed to Warren Buffett, but neither one could I actually check out to be a Warren Buffett quote. But in both cases, they're such great quotes and great thoughts that I have to share them for Greatest Quotes Volume 3, the All Buffett Edition. So here they come. Here's the first one Buffett, in so many words, I had thought said, Pretend that every stock is priced at $100 per share. Now, what do you want to own? And the beauty of that possibly completely misattributed quote is that you're focused not where so many people are often, on the actual price of a stock. So many people favor penny stocks often because they see such cheap prices and they're like, hey, if that 37 cent stock just goes to 75 cents, I'll double my money. People are attracted. I think too much so to low price shares. They look much more attractive. And companies like, well, Berkshire Hathaway, which has traded for tens of thousands of dollars per share, or even companies like, I don't know, Google and Apple or Amazon today, up over $600 a share, that looks like it's a it's a put off for a lot of people. They just it looks like you would only get one share for six hundred dollars, and how could that really go up and make money over time? And that's so much not the right way to think about investing. Of course, every price per share is merely a function of how many shares of that company there are. So when stock splits happen, and a company all of a sudden says we have a two for one stock split, you now have 
twice as many shares. Of course, we're having the share price. The value overall, there's no value change. The market capitalization remains the same. So, the function of a share price is nothing more than how many shares the company wants to have out there um, to, for, for owners. And therefore, imagine if just everything were at $100 per share. Now, what do you want to own? And 3B is that Warren Buffett, in my mind, but I, I'm suspecting this is actually my brother just being a good storyteller to speech or two. I've heard him say this. Uh, we do know that Warren Buffett bought his first share of stock at age 11. But the legendary and I think invented quote is that it would actually be a lot richer today if he had started investing earlier. Now, I know you're thinking the guy started at 11 and he's already pretty rich. What do you mean? Here's what I mean the stock market on average goes up about 10% a year. Some years we know it goes up 23%, other years it drops 23%. But on average, you've seen 10% annualized gains from this amazing thing that I hope you love. I certainly do the U.S. stock market. It's been a remarkable. There's really no better place to have your money over time and leave it there over time. So, here's what it could have done for Buffett had he started one year earlier. That's one extra year of 10% compounded returns. So, for a man whose net worth is roughly clocking in around $50 billion today, what's 10% more of $50 billion? Yeah, you got it. $5 billion more. So, we like to say it was a $5 billion mistake Warren made by not getting started a year earlier. Sounds ridiculous, I know, but mathematically, it's true. And psychically, I'm just presenting the point that you and I should be getting started and getting others started in our lives, investing as early as we can. It's a great carpe diem thought if Buffett had just started a year earlier. Quote number four. And I have to admit, like quotes numbers 3A and B, I'm not totally sure that Buffett said this, but I have another important point to make for you. I promise, by the way, quote number five will be a Buffett quote to close. So, there's an old saw about Warren Buffett, again, possibly apocryphal, that he would have more money today if he had never sold anything. You might have heard that one if you're a Buffett fan. I have. But I have to admit, my lame Googling powers didn't immediately reveal for me, when I looked this up some time ago, that he had ever said this. But what a great idea or question it was. And in fact, I used that question a couple of years ago to write one of my more memorable introductions to the Motley Fool Stock Advisor monthly premium newsletter. I basically started wondering to myself, is that true of me? And you might wonder of yourself, is that true of you? Would you actually be better off today as an investor had you never sold anything? Now, for a lot of us, that's a hard question to answer. If you've not been actively keeping score, or if you don't want to spend the time to go back and do what-if scenarios with all the investing that you may have done over the years or decades, I could understand you not having time to do that. But for me, it's rather easy to do, thankfully, because I keep score for everything that I do, whether it's Motley Fool Stock Advisor, or Motley Fool Rule Breakers, or Motley Fool Supernova, or my Caps page. I am addicted to keeping score on as many things that I do as possible, because when you're scoring, as I've often said in the past, and we'll say in the future, when you're scoring, you're creating a learning system. You know how you're doing. If you're doing well, you know to keep doing that. If you're doing poorly, you know to start changing up the game. So, it's really helpful if you can keep score. And just by nature of what I do, I'm being scored all the time. So, I went back to Motley Fool Stock Advisor. And in this was my June 2014 introduction. 
And I asked myself at the time, could all 146 consecutive monthly stock selections that I personally made since the dawn of Stock Advisor taken together, could they have possibly performed better for all of us had we never sold even one? Now, again, that performance included every good and bad sell decision that my team had made over those 12 years. Good, for example, was Strayer Education, which was sold in January 2009. It had been down 75% since. That was a good one. Market was up 125% over that time. Uh, bad, Biogen IDEC. We sold that in June of 2009. At the time that I wrote this introduction, again, two years ago, it was up 480% since. So, the good, the bad, and also, the tragic arm holdings air arm holdings two positions sold june 2009 both of those positions were up 700% since so would we be better off today and by the way would we be better off today with a lot less work because it takes a lot less work to sit on what you've already done than to decide to sell and constantly research something new to put that money in instead? And the answer, I regret to say, but it's instructive, is you bet your britches. We would be better off today in Motley Fool Stock Advisor, or at least as of two years ago, I suspect it's just as much true today, had we never sold. And why is that? And I think you probably can already intuit or infer from what I just said why that is. Because it only takes a stock that you've sold going up 400% or 700% since to wipe out all kinds of bad decisions that you might have made instead. And so, at least in my case, I think what's happening is that I look for really good companies. And the truth is, these are most of them really good companies, not all of them, but most of them are. And so, often when I've been selling, I sell at a time where I'm kind of disconsolate because the near term, usually last two or three years of performance have been bad. But a company like Biogen IDEC or ARM Holdings during the golden age of mobile phones, ARM Holdings designing the chips that manufacturers use, use those spec designs to build build the chips to put in mobile phones. These are are often quite good companies. And so, uh, another recent example, a friend came up to me and said, Hey, Dave, you know, you sold Electronic Arts. Uh, not great timing on that one a few years ago. Again, the stock had been a major underperformer. It continued underperforming one more year after I sold Electronic Arts, and it's up about four times since. And so, um, check yourself. And maybe this is instructive for you. And whether or not Warren Buffett ever said it, I'm glad that I said it and maybe misattributed it to him this week, because I think he's demonstrated that in a lot of what he's done. Certainly, Buffett has sold. Lots of stuff. And I don't know if anybody, including he, has ever gone back and checked the numbers on it. But I think most of us would be pretty surprised by our own discoveries. And now I close with probably my single favorite Buffett quote of all. This is the largest fonted quotation in Full HQ. It is in the Buffett conference room in Full HQ. One of the things we've done at the Full always over the years is we've named all of our conference rooms after entrepreneurs and investors we admire. So, you'd expect that in the Buffett conference room, you would find this quote. This quote was first written, I think, in the Warren Buffett way. That's our citation that we had for this one. And here it is. I'm a better investor because I'm a businessman, and a better businessman because I'm an investor. This is profoundly and importantly true. You know, all of us, let's just talk about the investor side of ourselves first. All of us, as investors, are constantly scanning the skies, looking for better ideas, where are the real stars, what do I want to hitch my wagon to? And as investors, we therefore become acquainted with, in my mind, 
the best practices operating out there. They might be companies that operate in your industry that you know quite well, or you might be reading about Netflix. Let's say it's outside your industry, and you read about their corporate culture. You have an opportunity constantly, as an investor, to be learning about the businesses, to be studying excellence, which is what I think education at its best does, studying excellence. And darn it, as an investor, you therefore have an incredibly great advantage if you take those learnings and you make them resident in your own life in your workplace. Maybe you're a small entrepreneur. Maybe you're just an employee. Maybe you work at the government. Maybe you work at a very large institution and you feel like a small cog. It doesn't matter. All of us have that opportunity to improve the workplaces around ourselves. And There's no better way to learn what workplaces could be than by studying companies and asking, what do I want to invest in? So When you're trying to be a better investor, it will make you a better business person. And Now, let's jump to the other side of the fence. For you and for me, we know few things better than our own professions, than our own callings, our occupations. I'll include our hobbies as well. You know you much better than anyone else knows you, and what you know, what you've learned that works in your workplace, in your habits, in institutions, what you've learned there is very rich. And you're going to keep learning. And you should be using that to inform what you invest in and how you invest. So the more that we take what we know and make sure our money is there as well, the better we'll do. Now for me, I think I've had had an advantage over a couple decades of rule breaker investing because our company grew up on the internet. So I've loved this medium, I know this medium, and I think it's helped me see other companies within my space, my respect, my particular industry and say, I like that one, I don't like that one. They're trying something that we tried two years ago, it really worked for us, or it really didn't work for us. That affects, and I think it should, which stocks I pick. And For you, you should be mapping exactly what you're learning that works in your occupation, your profession, your industry. You should be making that reflected in your portfolio and your portfolio decisions. So again, Buffett's classic line, I'm a better investor because I'm a businessman and a better businessman because I'm an investor. Now, those are some of my favorite Buffettisms, but I bet you've got at least one or two of your own. So, especially if you're a big Buffett fan, tweet it out. I'd love to read what you have in mind this week. You know, Warren Buffett has paid attention to the Motley Fool over the years. He might see your tweet if you tag us and him and share your favorite Buffett quote. I'd love to learn it. We're at RBI Podcast on Twitter. Next week on Rule Breaker Investing, I'm going to have a little fun. We're going to go with mental tips and tricks. Of course, these will typically be investment oriented, but might have some non investment applications as well. I have a few mental tricks that I use here or there in my life. Maybe you do too. In fact, in advance of that, if you'd like to share with me a mental tip or trick, maybe it's a time saver for you, maybe it's a something not enough other people know, I would love to possibly feature that next week if I get some good ones. Again, at RBI Podcast. But even if you don't come through for me, I've got five or six to share of my own next week. We'll do that next week. In the meantime, full on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.